Hello everybody, welcome back to another fantastic edition of the Hard in the Paint podcast, the NBA podcast where we ask the hard questions about the NBA. I'm your host Matt, again joined by Michael himself, and today we're going over the final tail end of free agency, most likely, um, going over some, some Twitter drama, and we're going to get into our sort of early team rankings for next season uh, in, a, in a very basic sense, in no particular order. So we'll just hop right into it today with potentially the greatest free agent signing of this offseason, the old man gem himself, Vince Carter, is going to Atlanta on a 2.4 million one-year deal. So what does this mean for the Hawks, Michael? They're tanking? I don't... I don't... <laughs> Should the Rockets have gone after Vince instead of Melo? You know, honestly, I'm kind of surprised a, a contender didn't pick up Vince. I know he's old, and he's kind of been bouncing around, you know... I guess bad teams here the past couple of years with Sacramento and then Gunn was on a couple of those fringe like Dallas and then uh, Memphis teams, but I think he's still like a serviceable vet. He's probably a good locker room guy. Like, I, you know, why isn't he on like Milwaukee or like uh, Philly or, you know, one of these contending teams? Yeah. Milwaukee is honestly where I expected him to be. But in that front court, they need some veteran experience. They need some court learning. They got Coach Bud. Seemed like the right move, but guess Atlanta's going for the salary dump. Does he retire next year? I mean, I would expect him to, you know, if I was Vince, I'd probably want to retire somewhere I played a long time at, not just make one of these kind of round trip Dwight Howard type deals. He is getting paid two point four million though, <laughs> and if he continues to make two and a half million every year, I think he'll stay. I mean, Dirk is on his last year. Vince, Dwayne Wade, Dwight, Tony Barker. They might actually have one to two years maybe left. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good team if you put all five of those players together. <laughs> In two thousand six, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, he could have gone on the Rockets instead of Mello, I think, and that probably would have been a much better financial deal. Yeah, most certainly, and he probably would give you better defense and just better toughness, even though Vince isn't necessarily known for defense. And he's basically turned into a three-point shooter, which is, I think, pretty much why he's been around the league for the last five, six years. You know, he's kind of changed his game from being a dunker to a... Uh, staying out past the three-point line. Although it would be totally worth it for Vince to do a 360 in-game dunk and blow out his knees and retire that way. That'd be perfectly fine by me. Yeah. I mean, you mean you're guaranteed one good retro dunk a year, I think, at this point? So as long as he can deliver on that, I think he gets his, what, like $10 million bonus or something? Yeah, I mean, if, if uh, Monty is dunking, why can't Vince do it? <laughs> well, speaking of uh, Milwaukee, we mentioned a minute or two ago, we've got 
Captain Baseball himself, Pat Connaughton, a former Portland Trailblazer draft pick going to Milwaukee for a four million two year deal, kind of in that same Vince Cartery position almost. Um, I kind of like this. Um, he's a white guy, so Milwaukee fits well. They kind of need just another body to fill in that Jabari role. And honestly, he's probably better on defense. Yeah, I like that they're trying to add to that wing depth spot. Picking up Connaughton, Ilyasova, even a little bit of Brooke Lopez. He can kind of give you that stretch, big man, you know, maybe two threes a game kind of kind of feel. Kind of modernizes their offense a little bit. Um, I don't really know Pat Connaughton on defense, but... They can't be that bad. I mean, I mean they have to improve, right? On on at least at that wing, uh, defensive spot. So maybe this will work out. You know who's who's going to be the real secret here, and that that is Chris Middleton is actually at the USA basketball camps right now with all the other big stars, which is kind of surprising because he's not really on the same skill level and notoriety level is you know james harden or westbrook or kd or any of these guys so uh, i expect him to probably make a pretty good improvement next year yeah but i think anybody who watches basketball and especially these players and stuff i think they know that chris milton is like up and coming he's he's coming in hot on their heels he's like a year away i think but i i can definitely see this year and then maybe next year it'll just like really start demanding that like max almost position yeah 2019 could really open up some possibilities for chris middleton he could be the best shooting guard in the east uh i don't know gordon hayward gordon hayward's a small forward i think you got like victor playing for playing for boston he's gonna play the two right i mean who do you put at the two jalen brown uh marcus smart uh jason tatum whichever one of those three is smaller i guess right <laughs> yeah no i mean so what do you got shooting guards in the east you got victor oladipo you got yeah. you know jj reddick you got Dwayne wade i mean geez like he doesn't have a lot of competition to beat out um guess but i mean even a lot of these point guards they basically play two guard i mean uh, Kemba, Kyrie, they're, I mean, they're not really true point guards. They're kind of a mix of the one and two. Uh, obviously, DeRozan shipped out. He probably would have been your best two guard. Reggie Jackson? <laughs> Who's the two guard on that team? Like, uh, what? What's the guy's name? Hey, who the fuck cares? It's Detroit. Um <laughs> Yeah, so my point stands. I think a year from now we could be saying, you know, Chris Middleton could be on this, like, Eastern All-Stars team. Yeah, I, I think Milwaukee is one of those teams that can make a leap next year and then, you know, in not this season, but the next season when Golden State and Boston kind of clear out a little bit, we get a little bit more familiar with, you know, where Philly's at with faults and stuff. Milwaukee's in the mix. So going back to... Armello, uh, Houston has finally ended the Clint Capella episode and has signed him to a ninety million five-year extension, which is, uh, you know, after this probably a month or two of debate, and if 
when Capello's going to return, if he's going to sign low. I think Houston wanted him at like 85, but then Capello wanted that like big plus $100 million deal, and there's a lot of back and forth, and I think they finally just caved in and said, all right, we'll do 90 for five years. I think this is still way too much money for this guy, but if Houston's confident in this fact that, okay, you know, if Chris Paul doesn't get injured or, and, you know, this, that, and the other doesn't go kind of weird in that Western Conference, maybe we can just keep our chips the same and roll the dice again, and maybe we got a chance to win it. So, you know, they got one year on this title window in my, in my eyes, but five years, 90, that's a, that's a lot to lock in for what might be a very quick fall here in the next year or two. I think it's actually a really good deal for Houston. Works out to about $18 million a year for a guy who I think is 23, 24. So five years uh, for a big man for a center. Once they get up to about 30, that's, that's basically the end of their prime. So Houston's capturing him on his prime. It's a decent contract where if they need to next year or in three years, uh, trade him around. I think people would pick up on it, especially if there aren't that many true fives anymore. He might be the best of the lot uh, in terms of athleticism, being able to run the floor, rim protector. You know, Houston's basically going all in anyway with the Chris Ball signing. Think they're kind of rolling the dice with Capella. Uh, he's probably their number three guy, maybe Eric Gordon. Um, but it wouldn't be surprising to see Houston make some moves in February uh, regarding Eric Gordon and try to figure out a way to use Capella. Because Capella basically works against everybody but Golden State in the West. He's really good. You know, he's basically is like this DeAndre Jordan Jr. with less mm -hmm. alley-oops and a little more Euro step, but still has no real, like, post-up offense. Or... Yeah, he doesn't really have the offense. He doesn't have that, like, signature move or, like, he's just kind of uh, a pick-and-roll kind of guy. Uh, you know, Harden and Chris Paul just feed him out the ass. So it's yeah. like, you know, how good is this guy really, or is it just... And these two guys that just always end up feeding him somehow. Yeah, but the market's kind of lean for a center kind of guy, like a like an actual like a true five. Uh, I mean, you got Whiteside maybe kind of out there. Obviously, Anthony Davis when he comes out of the market is going to be huge. There aren't that many fives anymore, especially a guy who's this young. He's got playoff experience. You can basically hang with most teams, I think, except for maybe Boston and Golden State. And his agility is pretty good on guards too, even if they got to play him for you know ten minutes a game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's. I think it's one of those moves where if Houston didn't retain him, I mean, who are they going to get to uh, to replace him? And you know, filling in with Mello is not going to help. Hopefully, Capella will play up his value and make up for Mel's deficiencies. <laughs> so, Charlotte, they're uh, pulling up a retro, kind of classic white 
UNC pinstripe looking jerseys next year? Are we fans? Uh, no, because it's UNC. However, I haven't even seen these pictures yet. Um, I, I think the reason why they're doing another sort of re-jersey design is because they really just don't have anything going for them this year. I think they're trying to get some positive press out. You know, they lost Dwight, and you can say, oh, that's a good deal for them, but this is kind of a rough spot to be. It's like you didn't get really any crazy free agents. Your draft picks seems to be pretty good, but, you know, Charlotte's kind of going to get stuck in that same spot. It feels like, like, 10th seed spot. Uh, I like the move. I think it's a way of celebrating kind of the best time in Hornets history. Kind of those 90s runs with Alonzo Mourning. And so, why not celebrate the history that you have? Speaking of celebrating history, you too can celebrate the history of commercialized coffee with your favorite coffee chain, Starbucks. Uh, now at Starbucks, of course, this time of year, we've been uh, progressive enough to abandon the plastic drinking straws in favor of global warming and uh, marine biology consciousness. Of course, there are all of these sea turtles on every coast of the United States, of course, just get these plastic drinking straws stuck in their mouths and their noses and flippers and whatnot. So Starbucks, being such a forward-thinking enterprise, has exchanged them for sippy cup lids. Uh, so you too can enjoy your favorite triple caramel macchiato uh, gluten-free, lactose-free beverage out of a plastic sippy cup and reduce our already negligible amount of straw pollution down. And otherwise, right now I'm drinking out of a fantastic Memphis-style uh, coffee mug. That, of course, Starbucks does these for every major city with an airport and whatnot, and it's actually a pretty great coffee mug i really enjoy it it's got the nice memphis bridge arches in there a lot of a lot of blues a nice little beale street some barbecue type stuff and it's it's overall pretty solid so whatever he, you might give starbucks for their forward thinking and social programs just remember they actually still make pretty good stuff yeah you know starbucks they're also opening up a uh what's like essentially the baristas are like asl uh workers like they can do they're i think deaf and they can you know do sign language for your orders uh they're opening up one in i think it's seattle they're basically basing it off one that they had in malaysia i think so if you're a customer who is deaf but listening to our podcast Starbucks is uh, working to make coffee better for you. You know, I mean, one of my favorite things when I go to Starbucks is, you know, I usually just kind of get something pretty simple because, you know, I'm a, I'm a simple man. No, nah, uh, dude, you got to experiment. As, as Leonard would say. You know, I get there, you know, I say, okay, I want my whatever, and they ask me what my name is, and uh, I look them straight in the eyes, and I say my name is Panice. And they look me straight in the eyes. They look for a name tag. They look for something, and they, they kind of give me this blank expression. And then I wink at them, and I say, you know what I mean. And so I hand them my cash, because you can't give them a credit card, because then they'll see your real name on there. So then 
they they say okay and they you know they fill up my order they uh they pass it on down the line and of course this is the second guy is the guy where this is really great so they're done with my order i'm sitting there waiting you know i'm watching him make my drink and then he gets the cup and he looks at it and he says order for and he stops for a second and i look him dead in the eyes and and i say read the cup and he says order for penis <laughs> And then, you did order for with like extra cream, right? Oh, of course. You always get the whipped cream on top with the extra glaze too. And of course, <laughs> everybody sitting there is like, "Did he just really say penis out out in public?" And then I high five a baby as I walk out with my beverage. Yeah, sometimes what I do is uh, if I'm ordering, I uh, look over across right whoever's taking your order, and you see their name tag, and you just say their name, no matter what it is. Sometimes that works out. Art in the Paint Podcast, proudly sponsored by Starbucks, Penis, and ASL. And speaking of podcasts, so CJ McCollum has uh, recently gotten to a little Twitter beef with KD after uh, a podcast they did together, which afterwards I believe CJ said something along the lines of, is it too late to, or is it still okay to call KD a bitch for leaving you know, OKC a couple years ago, he compares it to, you know, joining a gang that just beat your brother up and then forgetting who your brothers are. Then KD responds to him on Twitter in a a nice way and saying, I didn't know you felt me like that. I just did your fucking podcast, bro. There be snake in the weeds. (laughs) And then, of course, the ringer made a T-shirt about it, uh, which promptly got taken down shortly after. I would have totally bought one. Uh, I would also would have bought one too had had I been quick on the draw there. But this brings up an interesting point going around that you know we might consider athletes either like dumb or hard to talk to or like linguistically challenged just based on a lot of the interviews that they give with the media and during games and kind of the you know they aren't really the most educated people when you generalizing. However. You know, more and more of these guys are doing these sort of long-form discussions, and you really get to see sort of their knowledge on subject matter or just how well they can vocalize their thoughts. And, and you know, CJ's a great guy. We also have, uh, you know, JJ Reddick's podcast, uh, part of The Ringer, of course. Channing Fry and, and RJ used to do a road-tripping podcast. I think they still do. I know RJ's doing a lot more TV these days. So it, I don't know. I really like this new stage of like, hey, we really get to see a new side of these NBA players because they're doing these long form talks about kind of whatever the heck they want to talk about. Yeah, and I think a guy like CJ McCollum, it's from Lehigh. I'm pretty sure he finished out his degree there. You know, four year guy. You know, kind of under the radar, outside of those who really follow the NBA. It was kind of interesting to see him kind of grow his brand. And I think he's actually probably pretty good at it. He seems like a pretty intelligent guy to do it. Um, seems like he kind of knows what he's doing with it a little bit. So it's kind of interesting that the guys who are doing these podcasts, or at least hosting them, are guys like Channing Fry, CJ McCollum, Danny Green, JJ Redick. You know, guys we wouldn't normally think about in terms of that kind of spotlight. You know, maybe... 
LeBron will do like a post career podcast or maybe coach pop once he's done retiring, you know, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, or maybe we'll kind of do kind of a retro kind of thing with like RJ T Mac and Vince, you know, that'd be, that'd be a kind of nice. I would, I would listen to that trio, but Kevin Durant, you know, is, is he just, is he really this, is he too sensitive to criticism? He seems a little too insecure about, uh, his place in the NBA, you know, arguing with like 17 year old kids on Instagram, going back and forth with CJ McCollum, who even the burner accounts. Yeah. And it's like, whatever that analogy was that CJ put out on Twitter, it's like, did Kevin Durant take it that literally that he like actually thought CJ McCollum was talking about putting him in a gang to commit murder? Like, does Kevin Durant not understand how metaphors work? You know, when I read that, I didn't think it was, I thought, you know, I understood it as sort of a metaphor for, you know, you leave your thing to a better thing and then you kind of end up beating your old crew with it. Yeah. You know, that's just kind of like a a movie narrative, like archetype thing that goes on all the time. Just like the Uncle Drew movie with the, the main villain in that movie. But I don't understand Katie's insecurity. Just this year then last year and even the year before it was just like what's going on dude like we never heard of these problems those first couple years of his career i don't know Mm -hmm. if it's maybe the advent of social media has just really exploded here the past three years i think it has to do with the finals he's won finals mvp back-to-back years in they've played you know kind of against lebron head-to-head uh kevin durant and lebron you know Eight out of the nine games, Kevin Durant's team won. And in seven of those games, Kevin Durant outplayed LeBron. And yet we still consider LeBron to be the better player. And honestly, at this point, I think LeBron's kind of the better face of the NBA. I think Steph is also a pretty good face of the NBA. But, you know, in terms of that kind of branding ability, I think it's really hurting Kevin Durant kind of, it's kind of whining a lot, you know. Who would have thought that between Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook? Westbrook probably, you know, a guy who used to just jack up shots and we used to be like, man, he's he's taking KD shots, right? Westbrook's kind of more popular, I think, right now. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like... Um... I, I, I think to... he thought that winning would kind of fix everything, that people would kind of sweep the whole jumping onto the golden state you know wagon in 2016 you know i think he thought that if he won a couple championships people would kind of stop talking about it but it's like dude we don't stop talking about anything we still talk about the decision yeah i i I think that's i think that's what i was trying to say is like you know these these accolades and you know actual legacy successes really haven't shut up the immediate haters and i think he was thinking that would happen like you said and it just hasn't really panned out for him yeah but we're also i'm also kind of hearing some like backlash to the backlash where some of these people on like pieces like the jump or jalen and jacoby you know they're kind of saying like well you know 10 years is anybody really going to care that kevin durant uh went from oklahoma city to golden state you know joining a 73 win team 
And a lot of these, you know, sports reporters, sports journalists are saying, no, I don't think people will remember that. I think people will remember that he's like a champion. I am going to disagree. I think social media has kind of permanently changed the narrative on Kevin Durant until he does something, you know, like going to the Knicks, going to the Wizards. Interesting because, you know, plenty of NBA stars in the past have joined a team and then won, and then they're kind of remembered as being champions. But I think in this specific case, we might, again, just have enough volume of history to see, oh, he did this, and this was the attitude of the populace at the time. And so we can still recollect that, hey, he was a snake and a cupcake. You know, yeah. Like, who's gonna go back and delete, you know, two years of memes about that? Yeah, I think people were expecting, or at least I think Kevin Durant was expecting something like what happened with Ron Artest, right? Yeah, the malice in the palace. Then he goes to the Lakers. He wins a championship there, becomes Meta World Peace, and it's like now we kind of like we're like, oh man, do you remember the time where like Ron Artest started fighting a fan? Like, how awesome was that? And I think that's what Kevin Durant's kind of looking for. But I don't know he's gonna if he's going to achieve it. You know, it's like think about a guy like Kawhi, where it's like an entire year has gone by and people have been shitting all over Kawhi. And Kawhi has barely said anything, and I think that will in the long term help it. You might be right on this, and I'm I'm really interested to see how this plays out, especially this year with Toronto going to somewhere that I don't think anyone had agreed upon, really, um, <laughs> and how good his attitude's going to be there. Because he, personally, I don't think he really has that much of an attitude. He's just been sort of coached into don't say anything. And he's always just been just a naturally quiet guy, too, so... If his personality really is, you know, I don't want to be the star of a franchise, you know, I'd rather be, you know, not the main talking point of a team all the time, then maybe he's just like, all right, maybe if I just play everything super quiet and never say anything, they'll just slowly sort of have this narrative wash away. The wash. Yeah, I've got two more points, and then we'll jump into some of these kind of team rankings. One is... You know, Kawhi and Lonzo are both kind of similar, you know? They're both kind of the quiet guys. You know, obviously Kawhi is a better player right now. But, you know, they kind of have these family personalities, which I think uh, kind of have this blowback on their image, right? Kawhi with his uncle, Lonzo with his dad. And yet, on the court, Lonzo went healthy, pretty good. Kawhi, when he's healthy, is obviously one of the three best players uh, in the NBA. And number two is... Is Magic low-key really sneaky by getting all these guys who do a lot of talking, like JaVale and Lance and Rondo, so that way he can sneak in a quiet guy like Kawhi and Brandon Ingram? It, it certainly kind of, you can make that case, I think. But, you know, I don't, I don't believe this was his primary plan, though. You know, I feel like this was a, a plan B or a plan C. You know, after the uh, tampering conspiracy going on, and that was obviously plan A. Plan B was get Kawhi and LeBron together. Then plan C was this 
oh crap what do we do how do we have players we need some assets we need you know something to excite the franchise and make sure lebron stays i guess um because i think there's a, a realistic chance that lebron could have left if they didn't really get any of these other players oh you think he would have like backed out of the, the laker deal not necessarily backed out but joined for a year and then left right away because they're like oh you weren't putting anything here for me you're giving me a team of 21 and unders Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. I think LeBron really is thinking long-term about his brand more than on the court. I mean, obviously, if he win, I think he does want to win a title, and I think that's definitely something he wants to achieve uh, in, the last, in the next four years. And then obviously playing with his son uh, at some point. I think those are his two big kind of on-the-court goals, but I think a lot of this L.A. move had to do with the branding. I mean, LeBron could basically be the face of the NBA, and he might not even be playing in the NBA, which would be kind of crazy. Well, this uh, kind of ties into the podcast question, but you you're asking me here: Will LeBron make a maybe even a during career podcast, or most likely a post career podcast, or a media of some sort? I personally think he'll probably get into some sort of like documentary type business, maybe kind of like Kobe a little bit. Oh, maybe these little like 15 minute shorts about, you know, his life or a player or like maybe the AAU circuit or something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know he's got his own kind of entertainment platform. So I know that's what he really wants to grow. Uh, but maybe he does kind of something a little bit more investigative, like kind of one of those like E60, 30 for 30 kind of pieces. Because a lot of what Kobe kind of does is like, all right, it's kind of hypocritical of like Kobe to do these like little analysis uh, profiles on players, considering Kobe would never follow like half of the stuff, like the passing and like, you know, like, oh, pass out to the wing so you can dump it down under. It's like, dude, Kobe, you would never do that. Yeah, it's funny because he almost coaches it like he would be like LeBron or something. Like, oh, I can do this so I can pass to this guy yeah. in the corner. Whereas if Kobe, like, dissected his first 10 years in the league, he'd be like, oh, yeah, that was a good shot. I can make that over that guy all day. Yeah. You know, why am I going to pass to uh, D Fish for a, a top of the key three? Yeah. <laughs> And that's the funniest, I think, flame on this whole Kobe spotlights thing. And I actually really enjoy them because it's it's like, you know, it's interesting to poke the mind of a professional at his best, I guess. Yeah, I do like a guy like Kobe who, you know, we don't necessarily really hear about in terms of a personality just because he's one of those, you know, kind of MJ clones, super competitive, kind of isolated players. It's kind of nice that he's like opening up a little bit with like his little Oscar run, the detail, you know, maybe he gets like a food podcast. I could see Kobe doing like a healthy food podcast or something. Get him and Dwayne Wade on a food podcast. Yeah, but they'd be like the opposites. Because like Kobe would be like all about like kale chips and like Dwayne Wade would be like, nah, we're going to go out and get some steaks. Get the wine, get the wineries competition going. Maybe a wine podcast with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, <laughs> Chris Paul, <laughs> Mello. 
<laughs> in about five years. Speaking of which, if a coach could do a podcast, maybe it's not a podcast about the NBA. Which coach would would you want to hear podcasts from? So Pop would be kind of interesting just because, you know, again, Pop's kind of like this Kobe. Don't really know that much about him. You know, what would he really kind of talk about? I think Steve Kerr would be a really interesting one. Seems like a pretty kind of nuanced guy. Knows a little bit about basketball, news, you know, current events, overseas. Obviously, he traveled a lot overseas. He kind of has this kind of worldly knowledge, which is usually pretty helpful for, like, doing a a podcast where uh, your celebrity isn't necessarily someone like a LeBron or a Kobe. Yeah, he would be a good pick. I think I was going to say someone like Doc Rivers, but not him because his voice would just get really old after about 20 minutes. Yeah. But someone with sort of that, you know, Doc didn't have a ton of success. I mean, sure, he's won it. He's had some great players under his, like a, a slew of great players under his belt. But I'd rather see someone like... Um, like you know maybe Dwayne Casey you know someone that's maybe been an assistant for a while been ahead for a while had some front office time it can kind of give you a more well-wrapped product rather than just you know maybe Brad Stevens who could give you this super amazing in-depth coaching analysis but you know just be way too much like professorism almost what about a tandem between Jeff Van Gundy and Stan Van Gundy? What would the title of the pod be? Because that'd have to be <laughs> Jeff and Stan do something. I don't know. <laughs> All right, rankings time. But before we get to our rankings, we'd like to give a special shout out to our sponsor over at StockX. So StockX is a world class online fashion trading dead stock uh company they have of course the website the apps that you can get on your computer smartphone tablet and whatnot and you can in real time track uh, market value of various watches jackets coats and even the most notably the shoe game uh, which is what i personally use it for they're a great company. I've had no issues with uh, delivery times or, you know, a lot of people make fake shoes these days. I've no, no issues with that. Um, they do a very nice uh, lottery type program. So every week or so you can throw in 10 bucks and get a chance to win some of the much more limited release shoes like Off-Whites or the newest Jordans or even like the Yeezy type deal. And you can check things from highest bid, lowest bid, you know, lowest selling asking price. You can even check market volatility on different products. Uh, it's great. I've used it recently. I got some of the Dr. Eggman Puma Sonic collab shoes. Those have been great. And also, I've made a ton of money on those. And I also recently got a pair of Mamba Day Kobe's for 80 bucks. Of course, there's a small authenticity sort of verification fee attached to these but every five purchases you get that for free so head on over to stockx or download the app today 
and get started trading fashion across the world. And with that, we will head across over to the West Coast and figure out where the heck teams are going to be seeding this year. I think we've got maybe some more volatility this year than last year, but a lot of sort of on the bubble teams. So why don't you break this down for the people, Michael? All right, yeah. Uh, favorite Golden State. You agree? Absolutely agree on this one. I think favorite to win the West. Really, stuff has to go wrong for them, and if anything, they actually have something to play for this year, and that is to get Boogie his ring. So, yeah, I think with Golden State, if the only way they don't end up winning the West is, I think they have to have two injuries on that team. Two injuries or Boogie chemistry is just really bad. Yeah, or like Steve Kerr's back goes out. Like, you know, I think it's one of those things where you're kind of waiting more on luck because I think, I think they'll kind of, you know, they had some problems last year. They were kind of stumbling midseason. And then especially kind of Steph uh, was out at the end of the regular season and they tried to fold him back in. And there was some tension there between the isolation system for KD and the off-ball movement for Steph. But I don't, I don't know if we'll necessarily see that again in the regular season. Uh, I do think a lot of their competition kind of got worse, which also helps Golden State. Hey, the upside is, is they've got to, their, their number one motivator this year as opposed to last year is we're going to get Boogie a ring and we're going to get your Rebco a ring. Yeah, and I think they also do have to play to try to get that title for the fact that going into the 2019 summer, Draymond and Clay might be lured away if they don't win the title. Uh, you know, it might be a little easier to keep that core together if they're coming off a three beat. Um, also, likewise for Kevin Durant, you know, maybe Kevin Durant walks away if they don't win the title. A big legacy move, too, to win, what would that be? Five and six years? Four, four and five. Four and five years, yeah. Yeah, yeah including a three-peat. That's, with, uh, uh, there. That puts you in the like top three, top four like franchise mode almost. Yeah, I mean, that, that puts you right up there as like Mount Rushmore, greatest little kind of title runs. Then, of course, sort of our tier two teams for the West. Uh, the Spurs, who are now sort of trending up on the stock market Houston now who I think we've kind of fallen a little bit and then Utah and OKC who are also on the rise and funny is that's basically due to just two players in total uh, so the Spurs obviously with DeRozan for Kawhi so basically trading a non-existent player for a all-NBA you know all-star game player uh, I think we both agree they're better this year than last year just off the fact that they have a perimeter star. I mean, sure, they lost Tony. That's a big deal, but the Rosen can certainly make up for that now. Um, yeah, they're better in the fact that they'll probably win more than 50 games, but their ceiling is lower without Kawhi. You know, winning the West for the Spurs without Kawhi, I think, has gotten harder for them. I think they're a great matchup wrinkle, though. Like, they could totally just... If if the matchups line up the right way, I could definitely see them going all the way. But I think, you know, I think Golden State can still give them a huge problem. 
Yeah, I think the problem is going to be the Kevin Durant. I mean, who matches up with Kevin Durant? Exactly. And the same can be said about Houston. Uh, obviously, they re-signed Capella. They lost Ariza. They got Mello on cheap. I think most people are saying they're overall worse just off of the sort of addition by subtraction philosophy. Yeah, I think Houston, you know, I still like Harden. I think he's pretty good in the regular season for the last five years. I don't think they're going to win, what, 65, 66 games. They'll probably kind of drop under 60, probably more in that kind of 55 win sort of range. But wouldn't surprise me to see them in the Western Conference Finals again. Um, I do have them as the third best team in the West behind Oklahoma City. I think Oklahoma City, I think we're going to see a huge leap from them. I think they'll be the second best team in the West. And I think the, you know, I think in terms of who has the best chance of knocking off Golden State, I think it's Oklahoma City. I, I would have to agree with that. I, when you look at OKC's, I guess, like playoff rotation, you know, end of games, you could see Schroeder, Westbrook, Paul George, you know, Grant, and then Stephen Adams as like your kind of closing five. And that doesn't seem too bad to me on paper. Maybe if you can yeah. get Westbrook off ball a little bit more, which is something we really haven't seen since they've had Harden on that team. Yeah, and they've got length. You know, they brought in Nerlens Noel, uh, Andre Robertson, Jeremy Grant, Paul George. Those are all pretty tall dudes who can play, you know, wing defense, which is something we've kind of seen in the playoffs where if you can, you know, start shutting down these guys who are hanging out on the wings, you got a good chance of hanging in tough. And, you know, if the Western Conference Finals is Golden State and Oklahoma City, you know Russ is just going to go after Steph, you know. This team has the, they have the the blueprint to beat Golden State. I mean, we've seen it the past couple years where they know how to switch on everything. They know how to be physical. They know sort of the pace of the game they need to play at. Kind of like Boston where they've shown these flashes of we have the blueprint. We just don't either have the right players or someone's injured or that's that or the other. So definitely, I think, uh, I, I don't know if I put them above Houston, but they're definitely in that high tier two ranking. And then you have well, Utah on here as well. Okay. Not but to... Houston and Oklahoma City, you got to factor in the mellow. Mellow's going from Oklahoma City probably to Houston. I mean, which, which, don't you think that gives Oklahoma City enough to bump them up above Houston? I think Houston's going to have a serious injury problem this year somehow or the other because they just, you know, running yeah. Chris Paul into the ground. Mellow's obviously kind of in the ground. Harden's, you know, you know, how, how much can his back handle? So, yeah. Another team that needs to avoid injuries is Utah. Yeah, I was about where, to say. Where, you know, where are we trending on Utah? Because I, I think they're probably the fourth best team in the West, kind of right, right around the Spurs, uh, maybe in that kind of four or five spot. You know, you kind of rotate that around. But I think Utah is predicated on having to stay healthy with Rubio and Jokic. You meant go bear, right? Not, uh, not Jokic. <laughs> it's okay. Of course. <laughs> well, I'm going to be really interested to see if Donovan Mitchell gets even better. Because, so 
I don't know. You probably don't pay attention to this, but they've been they slowly release out the 2K ratings for players in the mm-hmm. off season. Recently, they dropped a couple of them, and they did our three rookies of the year. You know, Jason, uh, Donovan Mitchell, and Ben Simmons. They all yep. got the same rating of like I think it was an 89, which is absolutely insane for a rookie. Usually. Rookies yeah, in 2K that's... start out at like 70-something and yeah. then go up to like 85 at the end of their first year. Yeah, that's basically like they're assuming these guys are like already all-stars and second-team All-NBA. Uh, yeah, so so to put it in reference, they've got Dame Lillard at a 90. They have... Uh, that's very high praise. <laughs> they have D'Angelo Russell at like a 81. Oh, my. They have Lonzo Ball like an eighty-five. Like, like, like. Yeah, I think we 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 might be. You know, these guys had great playoff performances, but let's let's pump the brakes a little bit here. Like, they're still young. Like, they are. But what else do you do in Utah but play basketball? You have nothing else to do. There's no other distractions, right? They they didn't get any notable free agency changes, so it's literally got to be. You know, Gobert gets better on offense, and Donovan Mitchell gets better on offense. Like, yeah, they're they're basically running it back. So let's jump into sort of this tier three, and I think this could be like the highest variance tier right here, sort of the the dark horse or maybe the sleeper matchup nightmare type team. So, yeah, teams that could you know if they make the Western Conference Finals, I think that'd be a surprise. Um, but if they flame out in the first round or miss the playoffs entirely, I don't think anybody would uh, bat an eye, really. So obviously, LeBron's Lakers fit in here. Uh, everybody's got these guys as definitely playoff teams, and I, that's very understandable. However, we've got some really sort of boomer bust players on this team right now, minus LeBron. You know, Lance can lose you a playoff game. Rondo could just combust during the season. JaVale McGee could be on every blooper reel known to man, especially being in L.A. So I can see it going wrong. I can also see it going right. Maybe they do some sort of midseason trade, get for Kawhi or someone else. So definitely a potential team, but I don't see them being better, at least right now, than you know Golden State, OKC, or San Antonio. Yeah, I think they're in that kind of six to eight sort of range in terms of seating uh sort of in the same spot is new orleans now they did lose boogie they did lose rondo but they finally got anthony davis and drew holiday sort of mesh properly uh solomon hill's coming back from a great injury and he's he's been making some really great progress they got, yeah they got Mirtich and randall back um Randall from the Lakers, obviously. So they have this really great small ball, big lineup. And again, they swept our other sleeper team here, Portland. Portland, who hasn't made any changes at all, as potentially is in a chemistry nightmare with Ed Davis gone and some rumors of trading McCollum or Dame. But let's, you know, don't forget, you know, two years ago, these were the the secondary splash brothers that could go toe-to-toe on offense with Golden State. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them to say, hey, we can get to the second round, but I doubt they'll get much farther than that. Yeah, and I mean, at least for me personally, I think for the last three years since uh, Lamarcus left, I've basically rooted like I basically betted against Portland 
and they've pretty much surprised me every time. I mean, last season, number three seed. So. Yeah, that was, that was a very surprising story for most people's cases. And now the bubble teams. And maybe there's two tiers of bubbles here, but we'll just hit them up in a row real fast. So potential bubbly, most likely bursting team is Minnesota. Of course, the drama going on there between Wiggins, Butler, and Cat. But again, they were a playing eighth seed. Uh, didn't quite have, I think, the offensive coaching to, to properly match up with Houston. But, you know, they've got Derrick Rose, um, so they could definitely win a series still. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Denver. <laughs> okay, so I'm on the Denver hype train right now. So I think Denver could potentially be in the sleeper tier. Paul Millsap coming back. Uh, unfortunately, Porter Jr. is getting another surgery, so that's not great for, for their luck. They just signed Jokic back for a boatload of cash. And Will Barton. Yeah. So they're running it back. I think they have a legit chance here to be a six seed. You know, they didn't have Millsap for a lot of last year. I think that will change this year. Are they too slow? Slow meaning like, like pace the the pace of the play. That's a good question. Uh, I haven't looked into the the real stats on this. When I watch them, it does feel slower than you know the the Houston, Golden State, Cleveland teams from last year. But they also play much differently than most teams with Jokic mm -hmm. essentially being their point guard. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's slower as much of it is just a st stylistic change. Uh, so next up, probably on the second half of the bubble tier, is uh, Dallas. Of course, our boy DSJ's there. Our other boy Doncic is there. They got Dirk coming back for a you know tour of duty type season. Got DeAndre Jordan now. A very exciting team to watch. I think a league pass team for sure, at least the first month or two. I'm hype. I'm probably going to watch mo most of their games this year. And Rick Carlisle is still the coach, right? Yeah, still sort of the second most notoriety coach in the West, right? I mean, I mean, he's definitely a guy who, you know, would rather make the playoffs and, you know, work in the kind of the matchup game than trying to tank or anything like that. So I think Dallas is going to make a real playoff push. Whether or not it all clicks on the court, uh, I don't know. I think at best they would creep into kind of a 7-8 spot. And then sort of the second half of the bubble, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, and the Suns. Kind of really depends on how these draft picks pan out. And yeah. uh, Memphis, of course, getting their two stars back from pretty substantial injuries. Yeah, I think Memphis would be kind of nice to see in the playoffs, you know, with Mark Gasol, Mike Conley, maybe kind of the last time we ever really see those guys. You know, they might hit free agency and decide to leave Memphis. And I think on the Suns, we're kind of just, if they make the playoffs, it's going to be on all that draft upside. DeAndre Ayton. Uh, who did they trade for? Uh, was it Mikhail Bridges or Miles Bridges? It's it's uh, Bear Smith for Mikhail Bridges. Okay. 
So I think they're going to be betting a lot on that. Obviously, Booker re-signed for some money, so maybe he'll kind of break out. Then they also have, like, TJ Warren, uh, Jackson. A lot of potential upside. Yeah, new coach. So maybe you just kind of get some, you know, kind of an uplift of just – new new face kind of some freshness and so maybe that kind of bumps them up but it's it's kind of a bloodbath in the west here i think you're gonna have a lot of teams in that kind of four to kind of 12 is like completely wide open i think i've got a feeling we might have another playoff in game where it's like you know two teams one win away the last game of the year that could very well happen again yeah, or even kind of what happened a few years ago where, like, the difference between the three seed and, like, the seven seed was all, like, two games or something. Like, yeah. um, and then the the last team we have in the West, the Sacramento Kings. I think, I think this is probably going to be the worst team in the league again. Yeah, I, I see that. <laughs> uh, they, they, their draft pick isn't really seeming that great right now, according to summer league play, but... Who knows? Maybe they'll figure it out one of these years. Uh, so right. let's just switch gears over here to the East. Uh, the unanimous favorite, of course, being Boston, getting Kyrie back, Gordon back, Jason Tatum being a god. Um, I really, I, it's hard to poke a hole in this team now that LeBron is in the West. Yeah, back-to-back years where they've been in the conference finals. You got a good coach. You went to a game seven against LeBron with out your two best players you know the only thing that's really going to trip up this team i think is going to be kind of minutes and chemistry and that kind of thing you know they also re-signed marcus smart so you know he's going to probably want some minutes Kyrie's going to want some minutes tatum brown you know are those guys going to regress if they have less minutes Good news is they've been uh, Tatum and Brown have been just killing it in the workouts this summer. Kyrie's obviously at USAB. Um, Mike Conley's at USAB too. I forgot to mention that. Do you think they have a chance to beat Golden State if they meet up in the finals? Absolutely. I think it would. You you they are almost built similarly. Like they have these extremely versatile wings, a very dynamic point guard, a center that can get out on the wing and either make a long distance play, do a little playmaking himself, play a little bit D. Um, Depth-wise, I think they're better, so that's a plus for a long playoff series, but star power-wise, Golden State's got the advantage still. If Boogie plays in the finals, is that going to overwhelm Al Horford, do you think? No, I don't think so. I think uh, historically, I think Al's outperformed Boogie in their matchups. Yeah, I think he played well against Embiid last year, too. So, yeah, I like it. Uh, Who else would contend in the East? Toronto with a healthy Kawhi. If Kawhi, yeah. (laughs) Philly with a healthy Embiid. Uh, Maybe a Fultz thrown in there. And then maybe kind of Dark Horses, Indiana and Milwaukee. Absolutely agree with this. Toronto's got the Kawhi question, so if that works out fine, we'll be all kosher here. If not, you know, they're going to be a a fringe team at best, kind of stuck in the Charlotte area. Philly, of course, no real offseason changes. A couple players in and out, but no stars, which is kind of upsetting. But Fultz seems to be 
really up and up on the summer. It looks like his shot's better, his athleticism's back, so he'll definitely get some good playing time this year. Uh, Indiana, of course, Tyreek Evans replacing Lance, and I think everyone agrees that's an overall upgrade. And Oladipo really showing he can be the face of a franchise, hometown hero. I like it. I mean, they took Cleveland to seven this year, so you're definitely a up in the mix and then milwaukee of course new yeah. coach bunch of new talent Giannis is the best player in the east right now so it's it's hard to uh if Kawhi is healthy is Kawhi healthy like is Kawhi better if toronto has a healthy Kawhi, you still think Giannis is the best player in the east i think I think Kawhi's technically better, but I'm not confident Toronto with a new coach. Technically better? Defense, dude. No, no, but like Toronto could totally misuse Kawhi is what, I, is what I'm trying to say. Ah. Like I'm not confident they're going to maximize his potential there, whereas mm -hmm. in San Antonio they might have done a better job of using him on defense and putting him in better offensive sets and whatnot. And then uh, East... Eastern Conference sleepers. I actually have these two teams right now as the number eight and nine seeds in the East, but I have them being sleepers to make the conference finals. Uh, Washington and Miami. So, so Dwight's in the Wizards territory now. All of his years of being a, a Magic have amounted him to being a Grand Wizard now. So, we'll see how that plays out. It's a John Wall looks way out of shape if he's been watching any USAB. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, but he could be like a Chris Paul kind of guy where it's like he'll play his way into shape through the season. Oh, he always does, but it's just, yeah. you know, it's not a great sign for your your franchise guy that's already having locker room problems. And Yeah, I think Washington's one of those teams where if they don't start out like 10 and 2, it could go south really quickly. I think you say the same about Miami. You know, Whiteside's kind of on the chopping block. No real commitment from Dwayne Wade yet. Um, no, no, again, no huge roster changes. Um, you'll have Deion Waiters coming back, which is a nice wrinkle, but most people don't consider him an elite talent right now. So, yeah, but they do have one of the best coaches in the league in terms of coaching up talent that you don't really have. Very true, very true. So then our sort of bubble fringe playoff teams, I guess is what you could call them, is Charlotte now with Kemba, a couple nice draft picks, obviously some New Jerseys. Cleveland, dropping Dwight. Yeah, dropping Dwight. Addition by subtraction again. Uh, Cleveland now with um, Colin Sexton, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, and Kevin Love re-signing as a potential I think they could be a seventh seed in the East, really. Um, Detroit with Reggie Jackson coming back, another year of Blake, some Andre Drummond action. You know, a big team for the East, which is a little unusual. Could could provide a matchup problem in the playoffs somehow. And then Chicago with this ultra-young, offensive, overpaid college team with no defense. Is Chicago the biggest kind of wild-card fun team next year this this freaking zach levine contract out the ass you know who plays 
pick and roll D on that team. I, I just, oh, it'll be a fun game to watch, I think, because it'll just be like trading dunks back and forth type deal. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know how you how they will really win a game. I think they're gonna be really fun to watch, but they're not gonna be very good, which is kind of the problem. Kind of, kind of a lot like how Minnesota and Milwaukee have been the last two and a half years, where they've been really fun to watch, but they don't really have defense, so they're not very good. And it's just dumb lack of defense. It's not that they don't, they couldn't buckle down and play it. Like they have the, they have the size there, or like the physical aptitude. It's just like poorly managed defense. It feels like, or like so yeah. one or two really dumb players on defense. Yeah, it kind of feels like if they had a defensive-minded coach, it would kind of click. But Hoiberg's kind of one of those offensive analytics kind of guys. Speaking of teams that aren't going to make it click this year, Atlanta with potentially the worst trade in history. <laughs> uh, Orlando, New York, both of their teams, really. Uh, I think the Knicks are probably the best out of these four teams, but Brooklyn could make a splash with uh, a lot of their team coming back from injury and them finally having... Uh, some positive buzz being out of the freaking awful trade deficit they've been in. I think Orlando and Atlanta are probably going to be the worst two here again. Yeah, I think out of the mix of Atlanta, Orlando, Knicks, and Brooklyn, the Knicks will be the best only because they'll be the worst at being able to tank. Like, they won't know how to tank properly. So they'll actually be, like, the fourth worst team in the East instead of, like, Orlando, like, dead at the bottom. Like, Orlando are tanking specialists right now. And they have tanked so well since they, like, traded away Dwight. But they just draft so poorly. So let's do um, combining yeah, the conferences yeah, together. Let's, let's, like, mash this up. All right, so Golden State... Probably most likely to win the title. Uh, who do you think is number two? Boston? Yeah, number two, Boston for sure. I think number three could be Houston. Maybe three and a half could be OKC. Uh, then that kind of four and four and a half could be Toronto and Philly. Again, depending on Kawhi. Yeah, I think uh, Fool's Gold, Lakers, right? I'd no say the Lakers, Lakers and Lakers. maybe the Pelicans. Ooh, I think the Pelicans are kind of in this group of teams I'm going to call the one last ride kind of teams where they'll take one more shot to see where they go. And then after that, you'll start to see some major changes. New Orleans with Anthony Davis, no boogie, no Rondo. I think it's going to hurt them in the playoffs if they make it. So, you know, maybe it's a good year for Anthony Davis to put together an MVP race again. But I don't know if they're going to collect enough wins. Portland, I think it's one of those things where they've kind of locked up in terms of salary cap and the financials. They can't really adjust that team too much, and they're kind of just banking on what they have. Yeah, and then Washington, of course, on that trade yeah. block and kind of in the same way portland is and then minnesota with the obvious drama we mentioned earlier yeah minnesota i think you have this weird collection of tibbs jimmy butler wiggins and cat and i think two out of those four gotta go absolutely um 
Now, for for a couple wild card spots here, the team's kind of in the similar situation, really, with uh, young talent. Chicago and Phoenix, do either of these teams make the playoffs? I'm going to say Chicago, no. Uh, Phoenix, they could if other teams get injured. I could see Anthony Davis playing so much in the regular season. He might get injured. Maybe McCollum, Dane Lillard, you know, they were both really healthy last year. Maybe it doesn't really break out for them this year. And then maybe that opens up a spot for Phoenix for some I, young guys. I would feel the exact opposite. I think it could work for <laughs> Chicago because the East is kind of lacking star power. Yeah. So uh, your, your overrated suggestions here, uh, Indiana and Utah. Now they're, kind of feel like the same team almost really it's like one great perimeter guy and a bunch of solid other talent um mm. so if their main guy goes down i could see these teams are really feeling bad yeah i know a lot of people are really hot on utah beating okc and then obviously rubio will come back um obviously he was injured in that okc series a lot of people are, are kind of in this you know rudy gobert I think he only played like 50-something games, you know, reigning defensive player of the year. Right. But I, I just, I think they're overrated. I, I mean, they could easily be the number three best team in the West, but I think they have zero shot of winning the West. Good regular season team, maybe maybe not so much success in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if with Gobert, I don't know if they have enough kind of versatility and pace their offensive firepower just isn't there at the end of games sometimes it's like yeah i mean i think they're gonna over rely on joe ingles and i don't know does he keep producing and then kind of the same thing with indiana uh they don't have lance anymore so i think in the playoff kind of situation they're gonna be a little worse gotta kind of see where their big guys take them uh, Oladipo, you know, does he make another leap? And then you have for your underrated teams here, Miami and Charlotte. I would agree with you on Miami, uh, solely off the fact of, you know, they somehow hit the playoffs a couple years ago. I think it was the year before last and even the year before that with, you know, Dwayne Wade, Deion Waiters, and Whiteside. That's well, not really they, made a... the, they were number six seed last year. Took on Philly. Yeah, and they kind of gave them a good wrinkle of, like, vet physical talent. Yeah, I think it's just one of those scenes where no one's, like, talking about them at all. And then, and then Charlotte, obviously. Uh... Charlotte, I, I believe in Kemba. I think Kemba looks at the East and he says, you know, Kyrie picks up another little knock here. If Kawhi doesn't really like the Toronto situation, if Milwaukee is not really clicking, Oladipo doesn't make that next, you know, kind of step up. If Embiid misses a lot of games or Fultz doesn't really get it right, Kemba might be one of the best point Kemba's guards in the East. Yeah, he's the number two guard, right? It's Kyrie and then Kemba, right? It's like uh, Maybe John Wall. Yeah. Guard or just point guard? Point guard. Point guard. Point guard. I mean, you got to throw John Wall in there as point guard, right? Yeah, I guess John Wall's technically higher. 
I don't I don't like it, but I guess I guess that's right. Well, who in a game? All right, it's a game seven, and you're playing against either John Wall or Kemba. Who scares you more to beat you in that game? I think Kemba who, does. Really? I would be more afraid of John Wall. John Wall can't shoot threes. Are you kidding me? John Wall's crazy fast, and I feel like he's just like a. I feel like I feel like if John Wall didn't win the game, he would kick the shit out of me. Yeah, he does seem to have that competitive edge a little bit more. But Raleigh boys, dude. Malice in the capital. <laughs> uh, Houston and Philly. Uh, most people, probably maybe including myself, maybe, uh, would have Houston kind of contending for the West against Golden State and Philly in that number two spot in the East. Are these two teams like the reluctant conference finalist picks? I think so. So I think our, our problem is, is especially when it comes to Philly, you know, we think they didn't make any real substantial changes. They missed out on any stars. They didn't pick up any new wrinkles of role players, really. Mm. But you got to think about it. You know, their three best players are still really developing. I mean, Ben Simmons can't shoot. Fultz basically didn't play, had no arms. Uh, you know, Embiid just kind of has to stay healthy uh, and get sort of his legs right. So I'm not confident they got worse. Like everybody's kind of there's this sort of feeling that they did, but they they really aren't worse. I think. And then Houston, I think we can say they're worse because of Mello somehow. Like if if he if he will not take a back seat, I have some some real problems with how they're gonna coach that team. Especially with the whole like D'Antoni bad attitude stuff history, um, and Ryan Anderson. I mean, come on, that guy's still playing, and Michael Carter Williams too. Like, dear God, <laughs> you know what? What is this? Ugh. Do you think the path opened up for uh, Golden State? Yeah, I. You know, everyone's talking about this like. Uh, it's so hard to climb the mountain again, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, come on, guys. Like, there's still an arm and shoulders above these guys. And no matter how you want to say that, game five went down without Iguodala and all that stuff. But come on, let's be real here. Yeah, the one thing I will say with Houston and Philly is I'm not unconvinced that they're actually really kind of sneaky clever. Instead of making all these deals in July, they're looking more at like who can we pick up in the midseason, you know, um, to fill in spots. You know, probably the spots they would fill are three and D guys or like wing kind of guys. Kind of what they did last year, right? Houston picked up Gerald Green and then Philly picked up Ilyasova and Bellinelli midway through. So maybe, and I mean, obviously Philly doesn't have their GM in place, so maybe that's kind of part of it. Maybe both of these teams are kind of being clever and saying, we'll kind of wait until, you know, mid-year, you know, maybe one of these teams that everyone thought would be a playoff team starts, you know, if the Lakers are just absolute trash and start at like 10 and 22, and then, you know, they come out around February and they're like trying to deal off some of these players. You know, maybe Philly says, ah, you know what, we'll, we'll take Rondo. We'll pick up Rondo here midway through. Maybe that starts to click for them. Houston does have depth, you know. Harden, CP3, Capella, Eric Gordon, Mello, PJ Tucker, Joe Green. I mean, not bad. I think if they rely on their depth, 
they have a chance. But Portland, the exodus in Portland, you know, the, are the cracks starting to show on this team? It's sad. Like, you don't want them to trade Dame or CJ just because they were such good picks. And Dame's kind of the hometown hero going on, but... And it's really hard to get a trade for either of them. I mean, we looked at that probably a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they, they just can't seem to get it together in the playoffs. It's kind of like what we've been saying about a couple other teams where you can kind of lock in on those one or two guys and then... You know they don't have they don't have this plethora of Brad Stevens wrinkles and coaching or like this pop pace and space type deal or this that or the other. So it's just whew. yeah. I mean they've lost Connaughton, they lost Shabazz Napier, they lost Ed Davis. Is that too many guys to kind of fill in some of those depth roster spots that kind of keep you competitive in the regular season for a playoff spot? Yeah, because what they really need is just a star small forward, and of course they haven't. They didn't get that this year. And here's here's an honest question: Has has Dame really improved since he's been in the league? Like I'm not convinced that he's really grown that much since that the last three years. Uh, who would you rather keep, Dame or CJ McCollum? I think PR move, I'd rather keep Dame. I think CJ might be technically more valuable just because there's a lot less shooting guard talent at that elite level. I think if either one of those guys can pick up their passing in a way that's similar to what DeRozan has done the last two years where his assist numbers have like bumped up to like five, six, kind of on average. If those guys can pick up their assists it'll, you know, kind of give them something more to work with. But the problem is they also don't have that much shooting on the floor, so it's like, who do you pass to? Yeah, Evan Turner isn't really a knockdown shooter. Yeah, and same with Nurkic. So Minnesota. More, yeah, Minnesota also has this kind of time bomb of trades yeah. potentially happening. So we've got, again, I mean, we've mentioned this before, but I think you got to kick Wiggins out the door somehow even though you just signed this huge extension like you might have to eat some real crap cap on that but i think you got to keep butler and tibbs and and cat together i think that's a good core i think you got to maybe get a offensive older talent in there that can show cat what to do Todd gibson was supposed to be that guy right right yeah and Todd had some solid playing time last year uh of course, Gorgie Dang is obviously a huge, huge <laughs> deal on the books. Yeah, um, I don't. They got to get rid of him somehow. Like, they're like, and Jeff Teague. Like, is he even like an elite point guard? Like, come on, let's get, let's get some, some, let's get a different star there and get rid of these like tier three sub stars. I think you got to get rid of the coaching. I think they run into the same problem that the Clippers did and Detroit have in that your coach is also your GM, and that's never really going to work. That is a common problem we've seen these past three years that is not working out for anybody, is this combo GM coach. Really, that only worked with Philly, but they didn't, again, they didn't make any blockbuster star trades this year. 
No, and I mean they did that out of necessity. I mean, it, I mean it wasn't their, you know, plan to have Colangelo <laughs> resign. So, uh, the Lakers, excluding LeBron, are they basically Brooklyn? Are they a West Coast version of Brooklyn if they didn't have LeBron? Kind of gets you. You get that taste, don't you? It's like let's get all these. You know, maybe players a year or two out of their star years, and we'll sign them to maybe too much money for a short amount of time just so we can look like we're competitive, but we really aren't. Yeah, it seems like a team that would tank if they didn't have LeBron, in which case now they're probably going to win 53 games. Absolutely. If this team, imagine this team had, you know, Paul George instead of LeBron, like, I feel like they'd be tanking. I don't know if they'd be tanking, but they would definitely be in that kind of New Orleans, Portland kind of reaching. Seven seed and worse, yeah. Yeah, so they have a good young core, and they have that cap space flexibility since all these guys are on one-year deals. Do they make any moves for Kawhi in February? Absolutely. I think they're looking into into this. Uh, If we're taking, you know, LeBron's advice into account, you know, last time he did this, he made his team in July, you know, trading Wiggins before he was drafted pretty much to get Kevin Love, even though they could have waited that year. I mean, it's not yeah. like anyone else was going to pick him up right away. Well, it didn't really work for that team, though. I mean, it wasn't until they brought in J.R. Smith and Iman Shumper that that team started turning it around. Yeah, and those weren't July deals either. Yeah. So I think I think it's smart here that some of these teams are kind of you do some ground level work now you wait see how the how the cards start falling maybe some people's value goes up and down you know, still got some free agents here and there and then you build your playoff team in like December. Uh, does Giannis make another leap to basically become the best player in the East? Kind of assume the throne push Milwaukee into legitimate title contention, or at least Eastern Conference contention? I sure hope so, but I've got this weird suspicion. It's kind of like the old Adidas curse where Adidas athletes would get injured, but he's now the 2K athlete, and 2K athletes typically don't pan out the year they're the cover. Oh, no. Yeah, so I'm a little worried. Yeah. Uh. Any other last-minute thoughts? I, I think this year we're going to see a lot of small market teams do really well. San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Utah, Toronto, Indiana, Charlotte, Cleveland, Portland, Denver. I think a lot of those teams are going to do really well, while some of those big market areas, maybe like Clippers, Washington, Chicago, New York, Dallas, Houston. I think a lot of those teams aren't going to do as well. I'm excited for a Lakers-Celtics rivalry. I think that will be more interesting to watch than... I think we're probably overrating it, but it'll still be a fun game, I think. I Yeah, I don't know if LeBron's team... Like, can you just imagine the six minutes of that game where LeBron isn't on the floor against <laughs> let's say Boston throughout their death lineup of Kyrie Hayward, Tatum Brown and Horford. 
I mean, that might be <laughs> the most one-sided amount of basketball we might see. I don't know. I can't wait to see, you know, the Shackton of Fools where it's literally just the Lakers team every night. <laughs> I want to see a clip of KCP uh, on a fast break, and he's got JaVale ahead of him, and he's trying to throw it up for the alley-oop, and he, like, throws it to the wrong side of the backboard. But he gets picked up by LeBron, who's like kind of on the wing, crashing in, and LeBron does like a behind the back dunk. I want to see Javale do one of these alley oops from LeBron, and it gets wedged in the corner of the rim. <laughs> I feel like that's gonna happen. <laughs> Excellent. I think that's a good way to end it. Yeah. So we'll we'll call it there today. So uh, this is the conclusion of today's episode of Hard in the Paint podcast. We again thank you to Starbucks and StockX for sponsoring today's episode. And of course, our listener of the Fortnite, William Finnis, again, we do appreciate your support and your, yeah. your feedback. Let us know if you disagree with our team rankings. Right. And of course, we'll, we'll go into a much more in-depth breakdown of these in the future. However, that will that'll do it for us today. So you can find us on the... Links provided in the description. You can always email us your comments, questions, feedback, any things you might have for the mailbag. Of course, get to those again at some point. And we uh, we hope you all have a fantastic day when and wherever you might be listening to this. And we will catch you all next time.